Hello and welcome to Literary Merit, the show where we tell you what media has value. Spoiler alert, it's all of it. Also, spoiler alert, we'll be discussing spoilers as usual. So here's your warning. I'm Ashley. I'm Alex. And I will start by asking, what is new to you, Alex? I'm in perpetual state state of of sickness. I know, you can't stop being sick. Why? So last weekend, for my freaking birthday, I think I got what my brother-in-law had, which was like a stomach thing. Oh, where it was like it was like stomach cramps, and it just wasn't pretty. No, no. And then my boss came back from a Disney cruise, and and that's where you get sick. That's where you go to find the germs. (laughs) And that's why I am sick yet again with a fever, and yeah, yeah. That's where the germs live. They do. They live on Disney cruises. Well, have you been up to anything fun while you're sick? Um, I've gotten so much TV watching done. I have not been watching <laughs> TV at all. And then, like, just thank goodness for American Horror Story coming back. Thank goodness right. for new new Netflix shows premiering. Like, mm-hmm. I am just loaded up. Yeah, I think we're going to have plenty to talk about today, for I've sure. I've got at least three shows. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I... um. I was trying to throw you a birthday party. I know. <laughs> it's okay. We'll make it happen. Eventually. I baked the best cupcakes I've ever baked, and I'm really excited to do it again because, <laughs> oh, man, you're going to flip for these cupcakes. <laughs> um, I got some, like, a little personal cake from from work, and then my mom made me a cake with my niece, but it wasn't, like, cooked at all. No. Oh. <laughs> so we, like, ate around some of the edges of it, but, like, now there's that whole thing, like, I, I was never worried about raw eggs because I ate raw cookie dough all the time as a oh, kid. Oh, but when you got a stomach bug. Yeah, but also now they're saying, like, the, the pr- real problem is the uncooked flour. Oh, that's interesting. And how, that, and how that has a risk of having E. coli. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. That's yeah. horrible. Right? <laughs> so, so so here's your here's the lesson. Just uh bake cook, your bake your baked your goods. Thoroughly. Make sure they are cooked to doneness. And if you want a raw cookie dough, like find a recipe that doesn't have egg or well, I guess the whole problem is flour now. Yeah. Uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think they make you. edible cookie doughs. I presume they don't have eggs or flour in them. Okay. Hopefully. So and then get some that's made for that. Yeah, and then also uh, um, get like go to like Subway and get like their just gooey, gooey, gooey cookies because those are always good. Yeah, it's like great. the next the next best thing to raw cookie dough. <laughs> oh, and just a just a noise heads up. I've got my cat like on my microphone right now. Uh, oh, I he... don't hear anything. <laughs> okay, because he's just like poking around i don't normally have him in the room with me when i'm recording but he was crying a lot this morning so i figured he was lonely so if you hear a little jingly bell that's puck (laughs) my big fat boy well he's usually pretty calm so (laughs) i don't know man last night he was like acting a crazy fool he was just yelling and yelling i mean you've heard him yell Mm -hmm. the way that he does and he was just flipping around on the carpet like there was a bottle cap and it was like the devil <laughs> oh to him. Yep, yep, yep. He was really some I mean, normally he'll just lay there like a fat blob, like a walrus, but then sometimes something'll get into him and he's just tearing around. So <laughs> he seems chill. He might yell. You may get to hear his horrible, horrible yell. <laughs> his death wail. <laughs> it's really a something of a noise, huh? Not a sound that you hear from cats often. <laughs> Just a scream. Just a screaming howl. <laughs> He's a very weird cat. Yeah, I'm all alone in the house today. Um, it's one of those weekends where Dylan's out of town and Will's at work, so I've just got the place to me and the fat boy. Yeah, I'm currently alone in the house. Um, and that's why I was like, we have to record as soon as possible. I don't know when my sister and her kids are coming oh, back. <laughs> I get you. And I didn't want to go I over to my, my parents' house because if I'm sick, I don't want to get my grandpa sick. Right. And it's, it's the whole thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah no. no. We're good. We're good. It's as good a time as any, man. 
Yes. Well, um, I guess we can just get into it since our uh, our topic today is just sort of a natural transition out of just chatting anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because neither yeah. of us like had enough. Like, I haven't. Like, all I've done is watch shows, but then like yeah, but like not enough. Yeah, on board my... at the same time. Yeah, but like it's funny that we haven't really watched anything in common and yeah. like i've just like started watching several things oh, so yeah. like I, 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 I'm, I eager to, <laughs> I'm eager to give like my first impressions of a few things but i definitely am not uh up to like doing a deep dive into something right now because i just yeah. haven't found the thing to do that with well so i have a thing for gonna... you that you're gonna be obsessed with so you'll have something oh new. good yeah good good tell me what it is then Okay, well, it's actually not the Dragon Prince, which was what we were originally going to try and get you to yeah, watch a little bit I, of. <laughs> so my friend David, who's also a listener, shout out to David. Hi, David. Um, he told, I was telling him I was sick and he was like, uh, go watch Hilda on Netflix. And I was like, what? That hmm. sounds boring. He's like, it's like a kid's animated show. And I was like, okay. Hilda? And then I watched the trailer on Netflix. And I was like, I'm obsessed for, I'm watching the whole thing immediately. <laughs> Oh wow! So it's an animated animated series based on a graphic novel. Oh, which was also called it. Hilda, or um, uh, it's also no, called uh, Hilda Folks. Hmm. And it's Is like it like German. No, it's like Swedish. Okay. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a. I think the the author might be British, and and it's like a a UK series, but it's very like um. Scandinavian, very Scandinavian. Like it's all about trolls and giants and Ooh, what? Yeah, but it's like adorably um, animated trolls and giants. So like the trolls are like they during the day they're just boulders with pointy noses. <laughs> oh. And then at night, um, they wake up and they're walking boulders with pointy noses, pointy noses, fists, and sharp teeth. <laughs> Oh, that's adorable. Um, and basically, it's all about this girl named Hilda. She's got blue hair. She's like 11. Um, nice. And she's an adventurer. She lives with her mom out mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere. That's and, all very good. Yeah. And she has a pet um, deer fox. What? Whose name is Twig. <laughs> and he's so cute. Um, and basically, like, she's she she's always like loved all the fanciful things out in the wilderness. Um, and she's like somehow so lucky that she doesn't get like destroyed because <laughs> she's, you know, an 11 year old girl and there's just like monsters everywhere. Yeah. Um, but she's very savvy. Um, she's but got that YA magic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, basically she finds out, or there's these, this force that's trying to kick her and her mom out of their house. I don't know. And they find out that it's elves. Oh, those elves. But they're teeny tiny. They're like mm -hmm. borrower sized. Mm -hmm. And so the whole valley that they live in is just heavily populated with them. But she can't see them. Right. So they just want to get rid of her. <laughs> so it's like very much like she's trying to like make a deal with and go through their like bureaucratic process to try and get her and her mom to be able to stay. Um, and then along the way, she she learns about the giants. And there's this giant that's the, the, uh, the episode and the I believe the novel of the uh, about the same story is called The Midnight Giant. And um, it, it's very much like you see the elves' perspective because uh you see her size compared to the giant. Oh. Yeah. So it's it's like the elves fit in her ear and can talk to her. She fits in the mm -hmm. giant's ear. So she's sort of like starting to understand like oh what it's like to be an elf. Yeah. Maybe they don't maybe I don't mm -hmm. want a giant being crushing in my house all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's quite scary. Yeah. So then that's like the first two episodes and then her mom and her decide to move to Trollberg, which is like a city with a big wall around it to keep trolls out. Uh -huh. um, 
and it, it's very like modern times like there's cars there's all that but it's just very like they just all their like myths and folktales are real i love that and it's so you don't funny see that too enough. It's so funny. Like, especially, you don't see that kind of thing where it's like, yeah, all these magic things are real and people know about it. Like, whenever it's like a modern day and magic oh, is right. real, it's like, it's like a It's secret. a hidden world. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, what if it wasn't? What if it was an alternate world where it's like, yeah, no, we're still just us, but, like, trolls are around. Like, the, be- <laughs> the simultaneously best and worst example that I can think of is Bright. Oh, yeah. The Netflix movie, which was the <laughs> worst thing. Um, it, So, like let's do that genre better now <laughs> and it sounds like hilda does well and this is a, a spoiler but it, it it's so beautiful and fun to watch that it's not really gonna like nobody's gonna lose anything but um but it is a children's show yeah there's a <laughs> there's a it's actually really scary though so i wouldn't show it to anyone like like under six <laughs> okay. yeah there's some there's some dark stuff um, so not not the nieces aren't ready for it. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's, I think it's the third episode called like the Bird Parade or something like that. Yeah, the Bird Parade. Um, and the 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 town has a this legend of this giant raven that came and landed on their statue, and it's basically Odin is basically the statue, but it, yes. they don't like point that out. It's a little bit more vague than that. For oh, yes. I, th- I think creative reasons um uh-huh. and they're like they're like oh it's odin's bird messenger we have he 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 hearkens um like uh, a year of good crops and prosperous stuff like that mm-hmm. and then the bird was just like okay i mean if they like it when i show up i'll show up more <laughs> <laughs> um and then he he forgot to show up one year and they had a like it was like famine and stuff and so mm-hmm. it only like solidified their belief in him but he's, he he eventually t- tells Hilda he's like um, I'm not like that Raven messenger, mm. and then but it, it turns out he's kind of something cooler. Oh, <laughs> he's a Thunderbird. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, so it's like mistaken identity, but it's like uh, don't short yourself. <laughs> You're pretty amazing. <laughs> oh wow! Well, yeah. that sounds so cute. It's very cute. The animation is gorgeous. Um, it's very like, you know, there's she gets friends. She she learns new things about living in the city. Yeah, I'm definitely checking that one out. I'm not finished with it, but I have. I did watch. Let's see, I think eight episodes, and there's thirteen episodes. Oh, Can I you hear that. Yeah, yep. there he is, just <laughs> wandering around, yelling. <laughs> yeah. But I, another thing I like about it is they're, they're, each episode is like 24 minutes instead of like a normal like 21. So there's oh. like just this – because, you know, like on TV, animated shows right. are usually 21 minutes because of commercials. But these are these have a teeny bit more room to breathe, mm-hmm. and it, it's just really good. They, they use those extra three minutes well. They do. They really do. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, the first thing that I wanted to uh, tell you about is um, – now, it's not that new, but I've finally gotten around to watching it. It's the Netflix, uh, or not Netflix, the uh, Amazon original series, Picnic at Hanging Rock. Oh, I haven't even heard of that one. Son, you're going to love it. Uh, it's amazing. Okay, so it's actually based on a novel from the 70s, and there was a movie that came out um, in the 70s as well. Um, I'm not familiar with either of them, uh, but the series stars none other than Natalie Dormer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes place in the year 1900 in the Australian Outback. And uh, Natalie Dormer is a widow, a very fancy widow, <laughs> who opens up a girls' college in this uh, in this old, this big, beautiful mansion in Australia. Um, and it, they say they call it a college, but it's 19. 19- hundred and so uh you know like it's just it's just a girl's school it's just like yeah, a girl's yeah. boarding school um they've got like teenage girls basically from like 14 up and um one day it's uh 
Valentine's Day, they all go out on a picnic to this place called Hanging Rock. Um, and it's like a big all day excursion out to this beautiful scenic area. And then through some means which seem sort of vaguely supernatural, very ambiguously supernatural, uh-huh. a group of girls go missing. Uh-huh. And everyone's just kind of trying to figure out what happened to them and where they went. Um, what's going on and it's just like it's just like secrets and like mysteries and you know everybody's hiding something uh and everyone's wearing beautiful dresses because it's (laughs) 1900 and natalie dormer is incredible um it's it's pretty lesbian which is great um It's, I mean, you know, it's like, yeah. it's a novel written in the 70s about a girl, a remote girls school at the turn of the century. Like, you know, things are going to get lesbian in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And it's quite, so it's very um, surreal, I would mm-hmm. say. Like, I, I applaud the uh, filmmakers for really going there. Stuff gets really um, sort of like extra real like th- there are times when it's m- it's more important to sort of convey the m- meaning of, like the the feeling rather than like a literal oh, yeah. mm-hmm. actual truth and so like lights will change and get all scary and it's like you know it- it's just to invoke this feeling and so it's it's much more about it- sort of showing you sort of a, an emotional experience rather than a literal one. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, you know, things get weird and you don't really know what's real and what's not real. And it's very cool. And the girls in it are really good. There's this girl. Um, she plays the character Sarah. And she, I think, I looked her up. She's done, like, nothing before this because she's very young. Um, when uh-huh. they filmed it, I think she was, like, 14 years old. Oh, and wow. she rocks my world this girl is so good she's Mm -hmm. just so cute but so like strong and and determined she's just got she's just got so much in her like i don't even know quite how to convey what's going on when she's on screen she's got such she's just got so much presence like i just Mm-hmm. you know she just really she's a power like she's i really look forward to seeing her in more things because if her performance in picnic at hanging rock is any indication she's really got something special hmm. um she plays this little girl and she's a she's a very precocious um she's mm-hmm. a poet uh and she's pretty gay i think um and she's got this big old gay crush on one of the older girls miranda who's sort of the protagonist kind of um because if if uh, sarah is like 14 then i think miranda's like 18 mm-hmm. um but they're like dear friends and, you know, Miranda sort of uh, takes care of Sarah and Sarah's clearly got a big crush on her. And so when Miranda goes missing, Sarah's like losing her mind. Like she seems to be the only one at the school who's like, we can't stop talking about this. Like, mm-hmm. don't push it down. Don't hide it. Like, I need to know where Miranda is. Uh, and she's great. She's great. And she's like an orphan. And she's got this very interesting relationship with the headmistress played by Natalie Dormer. Because, um, you know, she was taken in like as a like as a as an orphan. So I'm not quite sure what the arrangement there is. Who I can't remember if it said who's providing for her education. Yeah. Um, there was a scene of her like when she first arrived, but I, I, you know, it's there's just so much going on and so many like different sort of motivations and conflicting feelings and stuff that it it, it kind of got lost for me. But it doesn't really matter. But she has this very interesting relationship with the headmistress because uh, Mrs. Appleyard is very um, strict and very proper, and she's just really no nonsense. Um, and Natalie Dormer just kills it. Um, but then they seem to have this very special kind of intimate relationship. Um, she, Sarah got in trouble right before the picnic and wasn't allowed to go. And, um, so she had to like stay in this little attic room and she seems to be quarantined for some reason. I think she, I don't know. She's got these like cuts on her legs and I don't know what those are about. And like, Natalie Dormer's like, okay, let me see your legs. Like, how are you doing? And she's like, yeah, I've got these cuts on my legs. And, like, Natalie Dormer's like, 
dressing her wounds and then like they're like talking and clearly they like have some friction but then later like Sarah is teaching her this like schoolyard game that she knows and it's like the first time you see Mrs. Appleyard like kind of letting loose and being fun and they're like having fun together and then someone comes in and Mrs. Appleyard's like oh yes Sarah was just showing me one of her schoolyard games and it's like what like what was going on there like what is your relationship with this girl because it's really interesting and different like you have this like closeness with her this like care that you don't show with anyone else so I'm not really really sure what that's about but I'm only like three episodes in Mm -hmm. Um, they're big long episodes but it's just really fascinating period pieces are usually long episodes things don't move very fast give it (laughs) well and this show really needs room to breathe uh it's fascinating though it really is like I'm, I'm enjoying it immensely but it does take up a fair bit of like energy to watch because it's very you know you have to have that sustained attention because things are so it it, you know it really i don't know i'm scrambling for words right now it's a little early for me uh to be Uh using my brain this intensely but (laughs) you know what i'm saying like it you it kind of it goes at its own pace and you have to you have to be there with it Um, Uh but it's it's beautiful and fascinating um you know the idea of this like school you know, being this bastion of civilization in the wilderness of Australia and, you know, the sort of maybe the fallacy of that um, and how, you know, Mrs. Appleyard feels like, you know, she had control of the world, but now, like, it's all crumpling and slipping away. Like, she thought that this school would be something that nothing can be. And it is, ah, it's beautiful. And I love it. And yeah, it gets, it gets pretty lesbian, um, which is great. It's really great that it does. Well, and the good news is it will probably only get more lesbian. Yeah. It got a real lesbian a minute ago. Um, it, (laughs) there's like a flat, cause it's told in a lot of flashbacks, like especially recently, because like while these girls are missing, we're like flashing back to, their lives at the school and their relationships with each other and how they became friends. Um, there's this girl, I uh, can't think, it's Edith, something like that. She's this very um, wealthy heiress who she's kind of snooty. And then Miranda is like this kind of untamable tomboy type character. Mm-hmm. Um, but they become friends and they grow very close. And at, at one point they're like, hanging out having a giggly girls time in uh one of their rooms with their other friend um i can't think of her name right now but she's um she's clearly like an uh an indian girl from the colonies and like the three of them are having this giggly underwear time you know how girls do at school (laughs) when they have their giggly underwear time and um but then like edith starts like kissing Miranda and like clearly she like wants to be kissing her and then Miranda's like hey don't and and Sarah's like where you know it's like what are you scared you're scared and she's like no I just don't want to kiss you and like they get all mad at each other and but it got really gay it was great (laughs) yeah it's real spooky though I'm I'm enjoying it a lot I definitely recommend it I'm I'm sorry that I put off watching it this long because you know if nothing else natalie dormer says the word sapphic in it and that's just about (laughs) as good as it gets (laughs) that's the whole show (laughs) yeah natalie dormer saying sapphic all right no she's a sapphist are you saying she's a sapphist oh that's amazing even better that's even better better, i think because it's less i haven't heard that uh version of that yeah this guy's like oh you know uh it's come to my attention that she's uh uh," and he's like scrambling for the words and he's like she's had passions for the fairer sex and she's are you saying she's a sapphist (laughs) (laughs) very good i mean why that didn't catch on instead of lesbian because that's just a little prettier it's a beautiful word (laughs) but i mean i mean essentially the same thing oh yeah yeah oh well i mean it's isn't it even the same time period? Well, yeah. Um, Sappho and Lesbos? Sappho, Sappho lived on Lesbos. Yeah, That's so, kind of where so that whole thing yeah. comes from. But I mean, it's the same Sapphist thing. But it's, it's just a little Sapphist. <laughs> I like it a lot. It sounds very uh, distinguished. It does. 
<laughs> but it also sounds a little bit like sadist too. Yeah, it's kind of it's like fancy and sexy and like <laughs> scary. <laughs> oh, it would it's be a, a great word. title for a book too. Sapphist. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna hang on to that one. <laughs> um well, what's your next one? Yeah, so um this is the show that I watched last weekend during my first bout of being sick. Mm-hmm. Um, it premiered last Friday, so just a little over a week ago. Um, and I wanted to get you to watch it, but, you know, we all work and we all, you know, I can't yeah. expect somebody life who is what life is. somebody who wasn't sick to just binge watch <laughs> it. <laughs> um, but it's The Dragon Prince. Yeah, and I still do. I do plan to watch it. Um, honestly, I would go for Hilda before you see the Dragon Prince because oh. I think I think it's a little bit more your your sort of inclination. I don't know. I mean, Dragon Prince is like medieval fantasy. Yeah, so they're both very you. <laughs> they're very me. They're um, very me. But it sounds like Hilda might be just kind of a little bit better. Well, the Dragon Prince is very funny. Um. But it's a little less creative, I think. Mm-hmm. With like, because it's very, it borrows a lot, a lot of fantasy stuff that's not like super original. There's some originality when it comes to the elves and the dragons, but we don't know a lot about them yet because it's just sort of the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Hilda, it's like, here's a dream, a nightmare spirit that talks to the rat king to find out your secrets and make you afraid of things. <laughs> and the rat yeah, king well, is like it, my favorite, my favorite character. <laughs> yeah. In, in I feel like Hilda's probably got the extra, the added advantage of like, even if it is just drawing on like skin and even folklore, that stuff is just not as well yeah. known mm-hmm. in America mm-hmm. as like Tolkien-esque fantasy tropes. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, but the dragon prince is, I would say just as funny. It's very funny. I mean, so the, I think the big draw of it for a lot of people is it's um, written by Aaron Ehaz, um, mm-hmm. who wrote most of uh, The Last Airbender. He also wrote for Futurama. So I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's going to be funny. And also Futurama had some really intense episodes too. I don't know if you Yeah, I've actually recently been rewatching some Futurama. It's, it's quite, very it's, good. I love that show so much. Um. But yeah, so uh, Aaron like started a production company to make this show <laughs> um, with his friend Justin Richmond, um, and it's called Wonderstorm. Anyway, um, so the it's basically like this world that's been literally torn in half. Not well, there's like a big dividing line across this continent because the humans and the elves weren't getting along, and then the humans killed the Dragon King, and okay. then. Then they're like, okay, let's, we got to split up. Mm-hmm. And um, we, the most of it takes place in this human kingdom um, where it's like the king and his, his little young son and his adopted son. Um, he's like his stepson. Um, and it's just like very kingdomy. But then there are these, I think they're called moon shadow elves. Um, and they're like there to assassinate the king who's like from what all you see at least initially in the show is a great guy like (laughs) he's got Hmm. these two great sons he's got he's like really adored by his people Um, but yeah they're there to assassinate him for past crimes right Um, and they're like waiting for a for the moon to come out because they can basically become invisible. That's like their cool elf power. Um, and when it actually happens, it's very cool. Hmm. Um, I don't really like, so there's a lot of things about the show that are just, that really make it stand out. And I think it really, probably a lot of that comes from what Aaron has learned, maybe not learned, but, you know, it, it's in line with what he's written for Avatar. Um, so the king uh, is 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 a black man. His son is a little black kid. Um, the 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 stepbrother is um, not the same race. Um, 
and it's just like there's little details like that like it's this fantasy world but it's not whitewashed and yeah um, i was seeing that and i thought that was really cool that's like yeah much more ethnically diverse and of course like yeah the given who made it that makes a lot of sense that he would have that priority yeah and then there's also i think she's my favorite character um i don't i don't remember her name um because you like her a lot (laughs) well well because on the wikipedia page it just shows the voice actors and i don't believe she has oh general amaya um she's deaf and so she saw everything she signs everything and then she has an interpreter right and she's this badass general who was the sister of the for, of the queen who we assume is dead because we see like them at her tomb later. Um, and she's just this really cool fighter with this really big shield and she's really awesome and she's mm-hmm. deaf and she, she's like, she's, she, she will be everyone's favorite character, I think, because she has such a, a love for her her nephews and like a passion for the kingdom mm-hmm. um and then i think my favorite detail and it, it might be frustrating to some people but there are moments when she doesn't have her interpreter around oh and so there's i think at least two full like speeches that she maybe not speeches but moments where she's signing but there's no mm-hmm. one there to say any so i think people that i i assume she's using american sign language um i don't know enough yeah. of it to really be sure it, from what i've seen it looked like it um so i think that is a really nice detail that i think would will mean a lot to um to people that to the hearing impaired community yeah because it's like this is just for you mm-hmm and I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That reminds me of um the best goddamn play I've ever seen in my life. Uh, the uh, Oregon Shakespeare Festival uh, performance of production of Hamlet uh, in 2010. Uh, they decided to cast uh, dead King Hamlet with a deaf actor, and so all of his lines were signed. And uh-huh. like the big conversation, you know, the big scene where young Hamlet sees his father's ghost and they have this big conversation about like why he's seeing the ghost and what's going on and what he needs to do and all of King Hamlet's lines are just signed and like Hamlet is sort of speaking and signing back at him and so you get especially because it's like yes Hamlet you know what's up like (laughs) you know what he's saying (laughs) the details aren't Um, necessarily important after (laughs) yeah like you probably (laughs) got the gist and so we only you know people who don't sign only got Hamlet's side of the conversation yeah um but it it was just like a really cool take on it because it's like you know people always want to mix up hamlet and say like it's set in the future or something like that but it's like no let's just change the characters like let's do something fresh there Mm -hmm. and it was it was really really cool though i will say it's kind of funny i uh because i loved that production so much when they did put out a a, uh like an audio play version of it um that you could buy in the gift shop i bought it but like they had to recast king hamlet obviously because yeah when you've got an audiobook version of Hamlet, you can't really have a, you know, a yeah. non-speaking character. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> um, and then just one last note on, on Amaya. Her, um, her interpreter is adorable and I'm in love with him. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> he's, he's like this, like, upbeat little uh, redheaded guy. And he's just, like, so nice. And just like he, he gets like captured and he's like, oh well, this is this is what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> this it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Um and then also, so the king has like a very like Iago, very um Jafar worm tongue kind of thing. Yeah, well his 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 vizier, basically. Mm-hmm. He's he's like the 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 court magician or court wizard or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, who actually seems like a good guy at first, but then it's obvious, like, uh, duh, he's using dark magic, so he's evil. Um, <laughs> so, so not quite as blatant as Wormtongue. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, by episode three, you're like, okay, he's clearly evil. <laughs> uh-huh. But you get why people would be fooled by him. Oh, yes. And, like, 
the, I, I really enjoyed the relationship like between the king and him because it they're so loyal to each other that it's almost like they're dating, huh? <laughs> At least that's how, that's how I felt. Um, because they're always like, we've been through so much and like the queen's gone. So it's like, uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, why not? You find comfort in the arms of your friends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then it's like, you know, betrayal and all that thing. So oh, that hurts. Assumed betrayal. We don't actually see it happen. Right. Which is like. Part of me is like, I, I knowing the writer, I would be inclined to believe that there is a through line that will pay off okay but yeah i also don't want to be like reading too much into it <laughs> right there's something going on yeah something um, it. and then i think the last thing it might actually I, I think a lot of people have been not in love with this but it's um all the characters are actually computer animated but then yeah, they, i noticed that they use cell shading um, and then what they did was they reduced the frame rate. So it's actually like a little choppy. Hmm. It, it, it seems choppy. They reduced um, the frame rate to make it look less computery? Yeah, to make it look more like traditional 2, 2D animation. Um, Interesting. And when when a character is walking by the screen, it it's kind of distracting. But hmm. once the action gets started and once you see start, of, start to see some of the... Because um, there's also, I think, I believe there's some... 2d animation mixed in like obviously like the backgrounds are two-dimensional um mm -hmm. but i think there's like some magic-y stuff that flies out and it's sort of 2d as well um interesting and there are some some shots where if you took a screenshot it would look like a beautiful painting so cool, yeah it, it did look very pretty yeah so i think if you can get past that sort of choppiness um mm -hmm. it's just gorgeous Cool. Yeah, I uh, the I I think this looks pretty good. Like from what I saw, I watched like the trailer on mm -hmm. Netflix, and uh, it's definitely pulling off that like three D as two D style better than a lot of things I've seen. Oh yeah, because mm -hmm. um, like the friggin' Berserk uh, anime movies that came out somewhat recently, last several years. Oh, like I love Berserk. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite animes slash manga. But like, man, man, they I like I get why they did it that way because it's just a lot more affordable. But like, there are times when it's just like, ugh, ugly. What is this? Uh, yeah, and 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 again, you can tell that it is three D, but mm -hmm. there are definite moments when you when you forget. And you're like, this is like gorgeous and and kind of almost 100% convincing as 2D. So hmm. although it can, I think it might stop some people from getting really into it. I think their choice is ultimately um, really smart. Cool. Yeah, no, it, it looks really fun. And these episodes are even longer than Hilda. Like oh, some of them wow. are like almost a full 30 minutes long. Just taking real advantage of the Netflix original status. Right. And then, of course, we have Jack Decina, who does Sokka's voice as the main kid. So, Oh, that's good. He's great. He's I like him a lot in this because he's toned down. I mean, Sokka's amazing, <laughs> but like he's, he's a little the, much. Sometimes. He's the comic relief, whereas like yeah. you can't really have that for a main character. It's, yeah. it's difficult, I would say. Um, <laughs> so he's just a little more like, you know, a, a human. Chill. Yeah, well, and, and basically when Sokka's, like, doing his whole, like... Being a grown-up boy. Being the grown-up leader guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that sounds great. I'll definitely watch it. Um, For me, the next thing, and I probably won't have a great deal to say on it, but I do want to mention it because it just came out yesterday. So much and came out yesterday. Yeah, uh, this, though, is something I've been waiting for for quite a while, oh. is um, the Netflix original series, The Good Cop, starring <laughs> Tony Danza and Mr. Josh Groban. I think my um, sister was just watching that yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I watched a few episodes of it last night um, when I was waiting for Will to get home from work, and uh, it wasn't quite what I was expecting it to be. I, I've, I definitely like it, and as it went on, I liked it more. 
Um, I expected it to be a lot more of a comedy, which it is a comedy, but not quite like Brooklyn Nine-Nine levels Mm -hmm. of like jokes all the time. Um, It's a lot more down to earth than that. Hmm. Um, It's really cute, though, um, because the basic premise is uh, Tony Danza is a disgraced former police detective he was like a big hotshot detective and then he was found to be like corrupt they've been a little bit vague about what exactly he did but he was clearly like working with some criminals and like he was like a dirty cop and so he was dismissed from the force and went to prison for several years and josh groban is his detective adult son who is like the goodest boy he's Uh the goodest boy on earth and so now that um tony senior they're they're big tony and tony jr uh tj (laughs) now that big tony is uh out of prison part of his parole stipulation is that he has to live with tj like to make sure that he's yeah behaving himself and so it's like kind of got an odd couple thing going on where you've got this like cool guy freewheeling like 80s cop and then his very straight-laced nerdy son um (laughs) and of course big tony's meddling in the in tj's police business all the time but you know he turns out he's quite valuable to him but they don't get along and they just have really different sort of priorities um but one detail that i find so because like just at every turn they will never uh not take the opportunity to show tj as being just like way too good like he's like to the point of absurdity he is like a rule following honest guy and like (laughs) he uh Whenever people are like having beverages, he's always drinking Seagram's ginger ale through a straw. <laughs> Every time he's drinking something, it's Seagram's ginger ale through a straw. That's and I love that touch so much. Um, either out of a can or like a little bottle. It's so cute. Um <laughs> and, like there's a scene where he like finds a quarter on the ground at a crime scene and he's like did anybody drop a quarter? Is this your is this your quarter? Is it? I'll just I'll just take it to the front desk. Oh my god! <laughs> and like his detective friend is like, oh, you know what? I just remember that's my quarter. I dropped it. He's like, <laughs> stop what you are doing, man! You are wasting my time. She's like, mm. <laughs> is this is this your quarter? Yeah, it, it, like to the point. So one thing I do struggle with is the tone because like there are moments like that, which are just over the top. Like, it's just like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because no one's ever going to behave that way. Like that's so much, but then a lot of the time it does feel very um, grounded, you know? So it's like, I, sometimes those moments of like real silliness can sort of feel off because Uh it's like, sillier than it seems like it should be if you if you get what i mean mm-hmm. uh and so it can be a little it, it struggles with tone at yeah. times mm-hmm. i think um but it still is very funny the last episode i watched um they're on this bowling league um <laughs> and then a murder happens at the bowling alley while, while they're bowling and so like uh big tony doesn't want this like investigation to interfere with their like their chance at winning this bowling league tournament Mm -hmm. um and like they lose a member of their bowling team and so he's like no we have to find a new member we need someone else to jump on so that we don't get disqualified and they get tj on but tj's terrible he's like he can't bowl he can't do sports at all and so and like this is where things get really silly and i appreciate that the episode um really kind of goes into that silly side of things because one of their co-workers is like this really really nerdy millennial hipster Mm -hmm. um and he's made this like toy that is a remote controlled ball that just kind of rolls around and big tony sees this and he's like can you make that bigger and he gets the (laughs) idea that they're gonna um trick tj into cheating by giving him a remote control ball without his knowledge because of course if he knew they were cheating he would have nothing to do with it uh so basically it's just really funny 
because uh, in that episode, because of the way that they're, they're like tricking uh, TJ into thinking that he's really good at bowling, he like gets super cocky and turns into like a total jerk. And it's really, really funny to see like super gooby, nerdy Josh Groban like acting like a big bowling big shot. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just the robotic bowling ball. It's just, uh-huh, and then like the guy who's like controlling the bowling ball is having this like crisis of conscience where he's like, I'm cheating. <laughs> I'm. I'm disrespecting the other bowlers, and he's like, "Oh my goodness!" He doesn't want to do it anymore, and Big Tony's like forcing him to, and <laughs> like everyone in the end of the episode is super mad at Big Tony. Josh Groban's had a hell of a week. He had that premiere, and then his new album this, too. Yeah, I haven't listened to the whole album, but I've listened to a lot of the tracks so far, and I love it. Yeah, I was interested in looking at uh, listening to some of those, co- or not covers, but the the duets. Yeah, I haven't heard any of the duets yet, and I'm I'm really stoked about that too. I really love the French song on the album. I can't mm-hmm. think of the name of it because it's in French, but <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> so, uh, did you have a, a third thing that you wanted to talk about? Oh, right, 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 right. Um, so uh, I also binge watched the I think it's the fifth. It might be the sixth season of BoJack Horseman. You know, I haven't watched any of that show. So the first season or two, they're fun and entertaining, but they don't really get into anything really meaty or meaningful. I mean, they do, but it's a little more like hit or miss. But then once mm-hmm. like season three hits, there's like really intense plot points happening and like they actually start to start discussing like the ramifications of this unhealthy behavior Mm -hmm. on your friends and family and your own life and um and this season there's a lot of um like the characters directly talking to the fan base directly talking to um people that think that bojack gives them an excuse to act like that Mm -hmm. which i mean the show has never really (laughs) shown it as a glamorous sort of um, way to live. It's the same sort um, of people that misunderstand Rick and Morty. Yeah, I think they're very aware of that. And I think I also believe I saw um, a post by either one of the creators of the show who was like, yeah, we did a really bad job with originally casting the show and we had a lot of white voice actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't really want to, like, it would be a little jarring to recast some of those main characters. But from here on, we're going to try harder. Um, and that's, I think, a really cool um mission and i mean there were definitely a lot more prominent characters that were voiced by um like i think i don't remember her name but she's a, a black comedian and she plays the one of the main character diane's therapist and mm. um i think she's in it's there's just some oh my gosh and then okay so there's mm-hmm. this there's an episode the whole episode is a single monologue and oh, it's wow it's breathtaking and Everyone who watches it cries. It's so powerful and like funny in a sad way Um, because you know, he's trying to be funny in order to cope. Right. It's, it's really stunning. Um, And I've never seen anything like that, especially on like an animated show. That's a comedy. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more of a technique that like an independent filmmaker would use. Right. Um, So, I definitely recommend it. I, again, there's a lot to get through to get to that point, but I think um, it's just a really, um, it's a show that knows what it's doing, even if it didn't originally. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, that does remind me in a lot of ways of sort of what's been going on with Rick and Morty and like maybe people who enjoy the show misunderstanding the point of the character yeah (laughs) actually um that he um, hates his very existence (laughs) right uh movie bob i think i've mentioned his uh youtube channel um a a couple of times but um Mm -hmm. he's great he's a good film reviewer and he also just does like pop culture musings and stuff and he uh recently made a youtube video about rick and morty and how Mm -hmm. like he feels the need to sort of justify his 
like his love of Rick and Morty because he's like, no, oh, no, no yeah. I'm not one of those guys. Yeah. It's just a really mm-hmm. smart and funny show. Like, yeah. I mm-hmm. promise <laughs> I'm not one of those assholes. And he actually takes, like, those guys' favorite fucking episode ever, Pickle Rick, and, like, breaks yeah. down why everybody misunderstands it and like the point that the episode is clearly trying to make which i understood when i watched the episode but you know it's just been reduced to pickle rick and it's you know yeah it's really stupid (laughs) it's like you know he did this stupid insane thing to avoid doing something easy and like important for his family and helpful and healthy helpful and healthy and he ends up nearly dying and like going through all of this shit and then he ends up at the therapy session anyway so like it was like stupid and selfish and futile and like that's the point of the episode and that's why susan sarandon at the end of the episode just like lays his ass out and it's great but those guys (laughs) tend to i don't know check out of the episode at that point i don't know but, Either that or they just go for the joke when he's like, nah, it's not that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a, Yeah, he ends up making the point like, yes, Rick and Morty is a really smart show, but it's those guys that don't get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. But I should watch BoJack Horseman. I've, I've been hearing really good things about it lately. I just kind of missed the boat in the first place. Yeah, and I did too, and I, I caught up on it last year, and then I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> it's sad. It's a very good show to watch when you're sad and cynical. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. So a little um, sneak behind the curtain. We're actually finishing this episode <laughs> two days, days later. later. Yeah, so if, if the audio or the energy feels a little different right now, that's Yeah, but I wanted to I'm mention it. I wanted to break the illusion because I finished Hilda. Oh, Okay, great. So this is like, fast forward. Exactly, exactly. Um, And the ending's really sweet and beautiful. And okay, yeah, it's definitely like Swedish because there's like Norse runes Mm. um, in the the graveyard and um, and Norse Nordic names. Um, And then also some of the later on creatures are very like, this would make sense in this area like mm-hmm. these house house they're they're either house gnomes or house trolls and they live in the pockets between the empty spaces in your house like under the the collective empty parts of your house like create their own alternate dimension and they live in that that's so cute it's so cute yeah i i, um, I did watch the trailer and it looks delightful yeah it's very fun um and it also, you know, it's like like I think I mentioned earlier, it's not necessarily a three, four, five-year-old show. It's, you know, you have to have a little bit more, because there's nothing like perilous in it. Well, there's a couple perilous moments. <laughs> <laughs> there's some peril. <laughs> Light peril. <laughs> Light peril. Yeah. Did we have anything else? I think those were my, my main ones. Um, I did want to mention, I started watching the um, German Netflix series Dark. Oh yeah, I think you mentioned that last episode Did too. I? That you'd... I don't know. If... I think so, or maybe you just told me. I I don't know. Yeah, I started watching it. Um, I was like exercising, and so I just put it on um to like occupy myself. And yeah, it's getting real good. I think I did mention it because yeah, it's like it's a little bit Stranger Things. It's a little bit like Silence of the Lambs. It's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's really very cool, and it's I'm it's hard to sit down and. Uh, and watch it sometimes because yeah. it is, you know, very slow paced and also in German. And so <laughs> I really. So you mentioned Strange, Stranger Things, and that is honestly the best comparison to Hilda. Oh, really? Um, I, and I keep thinking that every time I watch it because it's, you know, these kids going to investigate the weird, quirky things in their town. Um, but also the music is so inspired by Stranger Things. Is it really? It's like that. Oh, yeah. It's like that synth that goes on. Oh. I wouldn't have expected that. I would almost say that it's better, though. There's some, like, rock out synth moments in Hilda. Okay. Well, we'll have to see about that. (laughs) I am not joking. (laughs) Huh. Okay. Okay. Um, I also watched, I finally got around to watching the, um, uh, 
adaptation of Macbeth that Michael Fassbender was in a few years ago. Um, mm. I have had the Blu-ray for a long time, and I just never actually put it on. So I'm really glad I finally mm-hmm. watched it. Um, I will say this of it. It is a beautiful movie. Cin- like, the cinematography is unparalleled. It is just, it's it's something to behold. The Some of the directorial choices are not my favorite. Um, everybody just kind of talks very quietly all the time and it all feels kind of at the same level most of the time and i kept feeling like uh you know if i wasn't really familiar with Macbeth already i would have no idea what was going on because it makes it very Mm -hmm. hard to follow the dialogue when everybody's just like sitting still and talking quietly like (laughs) like you kind of have i feel like shakespeare is very physical uh and that's the best way to sort of yeah convey what's going on so uh i feel like it was kind of kneecapped by that also um i mean clearly just a directorial choice like i'm not sure what they were getting at with this but like apparently in medieval scotland everybody just stands there expressionless like just a large crowd of Scotsmen (laughs) standing with blank expressions on their face while Macbeth and Lady Macbeth talk about something it's very weird like the whole (laughs) dinner scene um you familiar with Macbeth it's been a while but I yeah I know you know where Banquo's ghost shows up and Macbeth's going crazy Mm -hmm. and screaming about a ghost that's in the room everyone is just standing at their seat at the table just staring straight forward not reacting to anything it's really weird and like just lots of scenes of just like people just standing in a crowd like not reacting (laughs) it's it's really bizarre but man the use of color and just the scenery it's gorgeous it's gorgeous so I think that's pretty much it for like the the reviews we yeah. had planned. But I think um, I have a couple recommendations. Great, yeah, I know it feels kind of weird to do recommendations after, but yeah, I, I do, I do as well have a recommendation. Um, I mean, as everybody knows, uh, we are obsessed with movies with Mikey, Mikey. Uh, Film Joy on uh, the channel on YouTube. Um, if you're not, if you're listening to us and not watching his stuff. You're making that's mistakes. a problem. <laughs> what are you doing with your life? Because his he he is like our thesis. Yeah, he's our hero. He's our... He is. Um, and he just released a video about pushing daisies. Oh yeah. Oh, um, that's so sweet. Yeah, that show is great. And that show is amazing. And he 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 does a good job of basically just pitching it to people mm-hmm. because he doesn't want to go too in depth because he just wants people to watch it. And I think he also provides a link to watch it for free. So uh, if you haven't seen it, you must go see it. Yeah. It's like what? Three seasons. It's not even a big deal. It's like, it's like two partial seasons and a half a season. It's yeah. very strange. Um, but it's got Lee Pace. He's an adorable pie maker who brings people back from the dead. Like, and also Kristen Chenoweth is there. And Kristen Chenoweth is there pining after him. Mm-hmm. Being just tiny, <laughs> just the tiniest woman. Yes, and um, I, I don't know the, uh, any of the actors' real names, but the main love interest, her aunts, are retired um, uh, synchronized swimmers, and they are my life goal. They are really <laughs> They're something. eccentric shut-ins, and I love them. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of them has an eye patch. It's lovely. A very elegant eye patch. Oh, and I guess it's only made by one of the most six, or most creative television creators. Yeah, mo- most significant, yeah, showrunners working today. Uh, Brian Fuller, you know, just yep. a guy called Brian Fuller, known for NBC's <laughs> Hannibal, American Gods, uh, Dead Like Me, which is such Dead like, like yeah, Wonder Falls. He's. Uh, I watched Dead Like Me before I even knew what anything about the whole world was. It was like one of the earliest (laughs) shows to go on Netflix, and it was amazing. Yeah, and man, dude likes to hire um, Broadway performers, I've realized, because Kristen Chenoweth is in Pushing Daisies. You've got... um, And American Gods. Yeah, and Mandy Patinkin is in uh, Dead Like Me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, uh, Rolla Sparza is in... 
Hannibal as Chilton. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, he knows how to get those talented people. You go to the stage. <laughs> of course, Christian Chenoweth and Pushing Daisies. It's, uh, you know, it's great. Um, did you have another recommendation? That's the one that I can remember. <laughs> yeah, it's been a couple of days. Um, I want to recommend, actually, it's in a way rather fortuitous that we had to take this little unscheduled interruption right? because I discovered <laughs> my recommendation after we stopped recording this weekend. <laughs> it is a podcast called mm-hmm. Let's Talk About Myths, Baby. Uh, it's, <laughs> I think I've heard of it, actually. I had not listened to it before. It came it up on familiar. Spotify, recommended to me, and I was like, heck, that sounds like my kind of thing. And it's just this great... Um, it's just like a gal from Canada telling you myths. She's got like a degree in like classical studies or something. Mm-hmm. And she just like tells you Greek myths. Um, And it's really, really funny. And like this should come as an endorsement because like I'm really, really familiar with pretty much all of these stories, but I still enjoy hearing her tell them. So <laughs> she's just she's just really funny and adorable. And I like her commentary. Um, And unlike the other sort of mythology folklore type podcasts that i already listen to this one's hosted by a woman so <laughs> you know go out there and give her some love because you know sister's doing it for herself <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness this is a total side note and not really to anything but on the way home for work i caught the tail end of a npr interview with jane fonda oh oh my gosh like i only got like the last minute and a half but she was just so like I just love everything that she said and she's she seems like she's always been sort of knowledgeable of what's going on in the world but she seems very like not only knowledgeable but very wise about it now well she's learned some really hard lessons in that realm as well because yeah she she's always been very politically active and she really um has has struggled uh, at times to sort of <laughs> uh walk that line like yeah. no you know so you know there was the whole Hanoi Jane thing that was really um difficult for for her and it was a, it was a big problem so yeah she's she's really been there as far as social activism and you know current issues yeah but i thought the the interviewer asked her about the last section of her life and i was like that's a really sad thing to ask somebody but right, she, it's like she with just your went imminent with death yeah she was, she was basically like after he had just said that she's in great health too right um, well, and, she and is. she's like and then she 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 didn't like you know brush it off or laugh it you know she she was like i don't want to die like my father yeah and then and then she just continued on to talk about what she's learned i was like oh like I've I've liked Jane Fonda for a little while now. I, I mean, obviously, I'm pretty young, so I'm not familiar with a lot of her stuff. But I just <laughs> well, liked then, the um, way she was speaking in that moment. I recommend finding the episode on Jane Fonda of uh, "You Must Remember This." Mm-hmm. It's um it's the Ho- Hollywood History podcast. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, there's a whole episode. As I recall, I believe it was "You Must Remember This," just about Jane Fonda's life and her sort of. Uh, social activism and that kind of stuff and yeah. you know just sort of what happened it's really fascinating well good another freebie recommendation to me yeah, for you all just, <laughs> yeah everybody listen to because that's a podcast i'll always recommend it's between seasons right now um or they're taking a season break or something so it might be a good time to hop in it's uh it's a great great series uh well i guess it's time to wrap it up it feels very weird uh, i just had that. a really random thought that i don't oh. it doesn't have to be left in here but i'm now <laughs> imagining if pushing daisies would have succeeded if um instead of the woman they had for is it chuck yeah instead of the woman they had if they had put um i know i'm blanking on her name after i just thought of this whole side thing mm-hmm. uh she the the new girl oh zoe deschanel Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the, the gal who plays her is. But I feel is, like she would have been a better a pie maker. She would have been a better Zoe Deschanel would have been a better pie maker than Chuck. Oh, oh yeah. So if there was if there was a remake, obviously I would want the original cast, <laughs> but Zoe Deschanel could probably pull off the pie maker. 
I remarked to Will um, yesterday, we rewatched Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was saying how Hugo Weaving was a bit of an odd choice to play an elf. Um, uh-huh. Regardless of talent, he doesn't quite have the look, I don't think. Yeah. But I remarked that uh, I thought that Lee Pace is the new Hugo Weaving. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he's doing the scary stuff too. He did. Because um, he was in Guardians Guy. of the Galaxy, and <laughs> <laughs> he's reprising that role, I think, too, or at least the character's coming back in a in is another he, movie. He didn't die. It's a prequel. Oh, so he's him younger. It might not be a movie. It might be a TV show. Oh wow! I just cool. saw I just saw a snip a little picture of it. They're like, look at young. What's his name? He's not all gross. He's just purple. Yeah, he's like what is his name? Like Ronan the conf- Ronan, Ronan the, the accuser. accuser. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's like he's got the he's got the Lord of the Rings cred. He's got the like big supervillain cred. Like he's the new Hugo Weaving. <laughs> Whatever that means. all right let's wrap this up before we get interrupted again yeah okay (laughs) that does it for today's episode thanks for listening you can find us on apple podcasts spotify stitcher google podcasts anchor.fm and elsewhere please rate review subscribe more nerds find us that way it really makes a difference to us it really really helps out you can also follow us and talk to us on Twitter at LitMeritPod. Um, we also post updates, like the update saying that this episode was going to go out late because other stuff happened. <laughs> yeah, if you if you subscribed to us on Twitter, you would have known that why the episode was late. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song, Fraud, from his album Artificial Heart. Until next time. Remember, no no guilty guilty pleasures. pleasures.